Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Good morning, Severn Run. I'm really excited about this Turning Point series because I love to see life come to life. I love to see life changed. I love to see growth and, and God win. And I've just been blessed by so many of your stories um, about you guys taking the Turning Point Challenge. And today we're going to talk about uh, when life gets scary because it does. I mean, it, it always does. And, and when life gets scary, the truth is uh, we go crazy. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, when life gets scary, we go crazy. I mean, okay, please, 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 please. Does anybody have the, uh, the updated statistics? You can use any source you want of the number of mouse attack fatalities in the United States in the last 10 years. How many have there been? I know they're fearsome creatures. And when mice attack, People die, right? And yet, you know, how many of you all are chair jumpers when you see mice? We have one on staff. Her name is Brenda Bailey. And I hope she's not in this service because, uh, okay, I'm not hearing. I would actually feel the laser eyes is what I would. Brenda, you want to get her just, just a mouse. I mean, it's like you'll hear a shriek that, that echoes from the depths. And... And, you know, it's funny because it's always funny about the things that scare other people. But the things that scare you are not funny, are they? They are quite serious. Maybe snakes. How many of you all are snake fans? Not snake fans. Spiders. What's that? Okay, roaches. Yes, yes. Love. The point is that when life gets scary. Okay, you guys really missed your cue. When life gets scary, we go crazy. We just do. And, and it's true short term, but it's also true longer term and subtle. Some, some of the going crazy is, is instant. We can see it. But I want, I want you to keep a parallel picture in mind that, that when life, when we get scared, um, life gets disfigured. And, and, you know, in the moment of fear, it's usually easy, easily visible. But but the deeper the fears, the more we hide it and the more subtly and slowly um, we go crazy and, and fear misshapes our lives. So um, there's some folks who were going through a haunted house and, uh, you know, and it was dark. And, and so at this is a moment, you know, I know that there was a strobe come on. So it's dark before this is a strobe come on. And what they're seeing is a car coming through the wall towards them. Right. So. So I don't know whether guy in green is trying to throw back guy in blue. But I know guy in blue is really determined to get on up out of there. I hope afterwards he can sell this as protecting her. And I was just looking after you. I was just, I was just wrapping you up. It might have been a human shield that he was doing, right? 
All right, now these tough guys, you know, all, you know, there's no girls among them, right? So, so, you know, they didn't have anybody to impress in the moment. But there's no way going into this that they would have predicted this kind of response, you know? Four tough guys. Now, what we got here is the football, you know, uh, picture, you know. And, and we're ready to just run on out of here. We're not, we're not staying here. That's, that's the way this, this one goes. Um, now, <laughs> all right, so, so let's talk about Hair Lady first, okay? <laughs> hair Lady in pink did not wake up this morning thinking, I want my hair to look like this. That's not where she was going. She got up, she, she was in the mirror, she was working on stuff. But when, when uh, the truth is, when life gets scary, yeah, and, and things get misshaped. And, and, and I, her whole hands, everything, her eyes, it just says it all. Now, leg lady, I have no clue <laughs> what's going on with her. You know, ah, you know. Is she trying to protect? Is that the first long step towards a sprint out? But I promise you that, that you know, this is for them probably not a normal look. But fear uh, does things to us. And life is going to get scary. It just is. And when, when life does get scary, our response to fear uh, is both instant and, and eternal. Our response to fear is both uh, in the moment on the surface and, and long-term deep down. It really is both. Today, I want to tell you that God has called you to be a champion for Christ and not a fear-filled failure. We're all going to face fear. We're all going to experience fear. There will never be a time in your life um, that you will be beyond the, the reach of fear. But being assaulted by fear is not the same as being filled with it. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be filled with anything. But the call of God on your life, which is to be a champion for Christ... The truth is, without a turning point faith, we're all going to live as victims of a world that's too big for us, a world that will overwhelm us and, and surprise us and shock us and hurt us and wound us and scare us uh, to the core of our souls. And the truth is that if we live as a victim of this bigger world, we're going to live victimizing the people around us. When fear comes into our soul, it misshapes us. And, and we do things and act in ways that, that hurt and wound the people around us. And if we play the role of victim in life, then we will live victimizing our kids, um, you know, the, the, the people we work with, the people on our path, everyone. Essentially, there's three core responses to fear. Number one is to say, there is no hope. Fear is washing over me uh, like a tsunami and there's nothing I can do, nowhere to go. Uh, I, I, there is just no hope in this situation. I, I quit. 
I lay down, I, I die. The second response to, to fear is basically to say, um, you know, I'll work, work this out. I, I will, I'll face this. I, I am my own hope. And, and the, the word is, I'll work. And this sounds good. I mean, it really does. It's kind of like that, that bootstrap, you know, pull myself up by my own bootstrap, kind of uh, deep American mentality, you know. But I, I want you to hear before you decide whether that's really good or not. I want you to hear what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 10 and 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? So God is talking to believers, in our case, followers of Christ. Let him who walks in the dark, oh, wait a minute. God, you're saying that believers actually will have times and seasons in their lives when things are dark. And when we have to do what seems impossible, and that is travel without light. That is no fun at all. I don't know if you've ever been in the wilderness or in the woods without a light um, coming up or down a mountain. I have, and it is a challenge. Uh, root, roots and rocks, um, you know, threaten to trip you up every single step. Sounds, you hear sounds on the mountain. I was on Prospect Mountain in Estes Park, Colorado uh, one night, and I heard sounds that I had never heard before. It was a lions and tigers and bears on my experience. So here's God who, who lets his children walk in the dark. Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to take the third response to fear. Not there is no hope, I'll quit. Not I am my hope, I'll work. But Jesus is my hope, I'll trust. And, and then... You know, the Father turns from, from the call of the believer to, to just trust in the dark. He, he says this to the activists, to the, to the self-help people. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and the torches that you have set ablaze. And this is what you'll receive from my hand. You'll lie down in torment. It's a very counterintuitive verse. But to take the approach of, of I, you know, I'm just going to be my own answer. I'm going to face my own fears. I'm going to come up with my own solutions um, is, is, God says, pointless and futile and, and, and actually God opposed. One of these three paths is going to be your path in the face of fear. Quitting, working harder, or trusting Jesus. I... I want to tell you the story of a man named George. And George's mother had a mental illness. And he grew up in a very unstable home. His mother would not take her meds uh, regularly. And so George's life was always unpredictable and unstable. And in any season of life where things began to go well, um, she would do something that would blow them up and things would, would begin to go bad. And it was even more painful for George. So George grew up um, in this profound fear of the future, of the next shoe dropping. Um, George, later on in his life, accepted Christ and, and, uh, and began serving. And he, he worked in, in one church for about five years uh, in the singles ministry. It was a large church with about 300 singles. And he worked um, 
really well for these five years. And then after about five years, he married a woman. And, and they had you know, known each other for five years and walked together and sought God for five years. And George's life had reached a turning point where things were going very, very good. And then the good got scary for George. And you may not have heard this, but when life gets scary, and so did George. And in order to um, avoid things going bad in an unpredictable way, George decides to blow things up himself. Because if he blows things up himself, at least he's in control and he can prevent the bad unknown from happening and he'll just create a bad on his own. And so as things were going better and better in his life and George had a family, um, he began to withdraw and sabotage and, and blow up the relationships around him. One Christmas morning, in fact, the first Christmas morning, when things were too close for him, he simply got up and went to work instead of coming in and joining the family and opening the gifts that had been thoughtfully and joyfully prepared for him. How do I know George? Well, he was my stepfather. And George proceeded to let fear um, dominate his life and, and lead him down to a path where eventually, having blown up every good and healthy relationship in his life, George died alone, um, really in, the, in the, the darkness. All his own torches, uh, nothing worked. Guys, there is bad that happens. We live in a broken world in which death reigns and death falls and, and we all live with this sense of distance even between those that we are closest to. But I want to tell you today that although we live in a world that some would call big and bad, the only thing bigger than the bad of life is the good of God. And the good of God is infinitely bigger than the bad of life. And Jesus is the good of God who died to give us everyday access to the presence of God. And so the foundational way that we overcome fear and the bad of life is that we go into the presence of God and we, we, we answer darkness with the, the source of light. Do you remember when Moses went up on the mountain and he, and he, he let God write with his own finger the, the Ten Commandments? When he came down, do you remember what was on Moses' face? He's shown with the glory of God. Do you remember Jesus um, as, he, as he dwelt in the presence of God uh, in one last affirming way before the brutal humiliation of the cross? He, he went up on the mountain and he literally was transfigured. He glowed a brilliant white radiating the presence of God. It is impossible to be lightless in the presence of light. It is impossible to be hopeless in the presence of hope. It is impossible to be loveless in the presence of overwhelming love. It is impossible to be cold on the surface of the sun. It is impossible to, to live sad in the presence of a God of infinite, infinite, infinite joy. And some of you say, well, all that, Pastor Drew, that sounds good. If I was only good enough to be able to enter God's presence. You ain't. You never was, you never will be. It's Jesus. Hebrews 10.10 10 says, We have all been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once and for all. 
Let's not even play the game of, of good enough. We're not. And God knew that, so he sent his one and only son to be our good enough way to God. And so Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, this holy place language um, is, is you know, resonant with every Jew. It stands for the holy of holies in the, the, the temple of, of the Lord. It stands for the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelled between the wings of the cherubim. Um, barrier after barrier uh, kept people away from the mediated presence of God. And once a year, one man, the high priest, would be able after ritually purifying himself to enter into the Holy of Holies. But even he had to have a, a uh, rope around his ankle and bells around the tassels of his garment so, so that if he stopped moving, if the, the holy presence of God killed him because of the impurity of his sin, they couldn't go in and get a, him, his body, they would die. So they would just pull him out. And what did Jesus do? <laughs> well, when Jesus died on the cross, the temple uh, curtain was rent, it was torn in two, symbolizing the open access that we all have to the infinite presence of, of God. And so the scripture says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Having been in the presence of God, doing life in the presence of God, we then live the rest of our life in connection and community, encouraging other people, lifting them up, loving them well, living Jesus and living a life empowered by the Spirit of God. That's our, that's our call. That's our way. I want to read you a story today um, from um, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 uh, through 33. That is a when life gets scary story. And, and the story uh, is, begins with Jesus. Immediately, Jesus uh, made the disciples get into the boat and go on the, on the other uh, side of the, the lake ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed all the crowd, probably again 21 to 26,000 people, Jesus, Jesus sends them on their way. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, to soak in the good of God, the presence of God Almighty. And there Jesus prayed throughout the night, soaking in God, you know, taking his heart to God, pouring his heart out to God, listening to the voice of, of God, the counsel of God, the guidance of God. And allowing the bigness of God to overshadow overwhelmed in the world. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Wait a minute, Pastor Drew. Sometimes God doesn't make everyday sunshine and roses and a yellow brick road. Sometimes there are things against us in life and circumstances and and, uh, you know, events just pile up against us. Yeah, you bet. That's just life. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. The first watch began at 6, the second at 9, the third at 12, the fourth at 3. It's 3 a.m. on a night that was pitch black and, and stormy. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, now I just quick pause, I can't prove this, and if you disagree, that's okay. Um, you know, I don't think Jesus necessarily woke up that morning and said, 
Number five on my agenda, walk on water. <laughs> uh, maybe he did, I don't know. But I, I think just Jesus just got up in the confidence of life in the presence of God and, and he just lived his life pouring out um, the heart of God to a broken world and just trusted God that whatever obstacle came his way, God had it. And whatever was impossible in front of him was possible because of God. So Jesus finishes uh, his prayer. It's again three o'clock in the morning. He's been at it since early, early in the morning. Um, and he just starts walking out to the boat. And he, he begins walking from dry land that can hold up a, a solid object to, to liquid, which typically can't. And Jesus took his first step. Confident in God. Confident in, in creator who began all. Confident in, in the finisher who will complete all. Confident in the presence of God over a bad and broken world. Uh, believing that God would always sustain him in everything that God called him to do. Jesus just walks out on the water. I have no clue what it looked like. I, I want when I get to heaven. I want to. Jesus, can I see that? <laughs> you know, could you? Did the waves like splash up to you? Were you completely dry? I don't know. When you walked into a wave, was it like a stair? Did you just go through? How did that work? <laughs> Jesus just walks out onto the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Wait a minute! These are God's people. I didn't think God's people ever had anything to be afraid of. Hey, man, fear is going to come your way through the rest of life. Um, it's just, just the way it is. When they, when they saw, um, you know, they saw him walking on the lake and they said, it's a ghost. Okay. Wow. That's an interpretation. And they cried out in fear, meaning this was not just a one-time conversation. <laughs> there was a noise on the boat. There was a lot of talking going on the boat. And, and the reality is that when life gets scary... You guys almost missed that, but you did good. When life gets scary, we go, and they are just kind of crazy with fear at this point, and panic spreads. It's like the one person in the line who says, retreat, and everybody turns around and runs, you know? So, um, so Jesus immediately said to them, um, the NIV says, take courage. I think a great translation would be, uh, the most literal translation of the word is, is have confidence. Be confidently courageous. It is me. Jesus is identifying himself behind the source of the fear. And he tells them what not to be and he tells them what to be. He says, um, take courage, be confident and don't be afraid. Do not be fear-filled. Fear may wash over you. Do not let it fill you up. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter still couldn't see Jesus, right? Nobody can see. It's still like this ghost type, type thing going on out there. But Peter hears his voice. Hey, Jesus, I recognize that voice. It's captivating. You've got my attention, Jesus. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so tuned in to the sound of your voice that, that nothing else matters. If this is really you, command me to come out on the water. That's what the, the, the Greek literally says. And, and, and Jesus commanded him and said, you come. You do this, Peter. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. 
No other human being other than Jesus has ever done this. And Peter, because he's a champion for Christ, he gets to get out of the boat where there's only fear and doom and gloom and defeat and wah, wah, wah. And he walks towards Jesus. And it is awesome as he hears the, the sound of Jesus' voice. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That's, you know, to be, to have sat out on the sidelines of the battle, right? Or, or run away from the battle is a better way to put it. And after a few brave souls win the battles, then you kind of get up from the woods and the foxholes. You come back in and stand beside them. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did that. Yeah, we took them out. You go, we won that battle, right? Is that really where you want to be in life? When you stand in the presence of God Almighty and you see the glory of all of his creation, the power radiating from him that makes the sun look like a, a dying match, and you see all of of, the, of this glory and the power that God had available for us on earth, how will you want to have lived? Seeing that, how will you want to have lived now? Guys, I'm telling you, God has called each one of you to be a champion for Christ. Not to live as a fear-filled failure. Saying there is no hope or trusting yourself to work it out. You can't work it out, but Jesus can. And so, so... Uh, when life gets scary, the turning point decision for today is to respond as a well-loved champion, not a poor, powerless victim. There is hope, but it's not in us. It's about being confident in Jesus. So I want to I give you uh, five ways to become a champion for Christ. Number one, don't fit God into a yellow brick road box. You know, if you have this idea, well, if God loves me, this is what my life will look like. Uh-oh, back up. It isn't your plan. It's, uh, that's the one that's, you know, going to unfold. And, and if you have this cheesy, shallow, uh, you know, yellow brick road, um, sunshine and, and daisies picture of what life will look like under the love of God, just get rid of it because it's, it's not going to happen. Expect to be surprised. The disciples were, they never anticipated Jesus walking on water in the middle of the storm, looking unrecognizable. They never saw that coming. Nor did they ever see the Messiah um, being crucified. They didn't see that one coming either. Nor did they see the resurrection on the third day either. Hey, what if when, when life came at us, we just expected to be surprised? You see, the truth is, um, God will let scary come at you, but scary is just the path to a deeper Jesus. Behind every unknown is a Jesus working to be more deeply un to, to be more deeply known. There's this vision out there that looks awfully, awfully scary, terrifying, like it's going to destroy me. But behind this vision is a Jesus who's working to teach me to trust Him deeper. And I want to tell you that if we could see scary overshadowed by, by the revelation of, of God, it would not be so scary. I honestly believe that, that as much as I have grieved all the emptiness of my, my 
being raised in, in a family destroyed by alcoholism, I honestly believe that, that all of that scary was one of the ways Jesus was working that I might know him. And he has overshadowed that and redeemed so amazingly much. Standing over every life-ending fear is a life-giving Savior. Jesus wins. Scary only comes to reveal God's glory to those who trust. Jesus is walking out on the water. He's not afraid of scaring his disciples. He simply wants them to know him as the Lord of creation. Secondly, be crazy confident in the abilities of Jesus. That's what Jesus says to, to them. I, I want you to be confidently courageous. Guys, what is every miracle Jesus ever did, including the resurrection, supposed to teach us? It's supposed to teach us about the abilities of God. Are we learning anything? Or do we think that, that this is just for back then? That this doesn't relate to elections? That this doesn't relate to my employment? That, that what is in the Word of God does not relate to my present tense struggle, my fears, my challenges? It does. Every miracle Jesus ever did, he did to teach you and I that we can follow him and become champions for Christ. That he will overcome. Jesus said, what is impossible for people is possible with God. And Luke 18, 20, in, in Luke 18, 27, in Jeremiah 32, 27, God says this, I am the Lord, the I am. I am the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And the answer is? No. One more time with confidence. No. Nothing is too hard for God. And so whatever crazy comes my way, whatever scary walks my path, we can face it as champions for Christ. Not overawed and overfilled, not overcome by the bad that appears, but confident that Jesus Christ is over and above, in front of and behind, that Jesus has this and that he can save and will deliver and, and get glory in the process. Third, be concretely confident in your identity in Christ. The truth is, most of us don't know who we are. Know who you are. We all struggle with our, our identity. But God is a good, good father. And, and Christ's followers are his kids. Use your imagination. Would a good father, who's a father who's infinitely good, would, would, would God, how would that God treat his well-loved children on their journey into eternity? Would he ignore them? Neglect them? Fail to provide for them? Would he in any way, uh, you know, do what was bad? Or would in his infinite goodness, would he, would he work uh, great things in all things? Would he overcome what appears impossible? Would he at every point be loving beautifully and well? I think we don't believe God is a good father. Or we buy the other side of the lie that says we're such bad children that, that we're not worth loving. Well, that's, that's from hell. 1 John, 3, 1 John uh, 3a says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, because that is what we are, because of the love of the Father. But it is hard to know your identity. And I, I say be concretely confident in your identity because most of us, um, you know, our, our sense of confidence in our identity is more like jello. 
than it is like concrete. And we're still searching for our worth and our significance and the respect of other human beings. It's kind of doing, living your life that way is kind of like, again, living in a stinking pigsty, asking the other pigs if you smell good. Why are you going to be taking their opinion? They stink. God says that you are his well-loved child. God says that you are not junk. God says that your life has infinite value and God wants to get you off the sidelines and into the game. He doesn't want you to be cowering in a boat waiting for the, the battle to be won before you're willing to stand up and do anything. Hey God, I'll wait for it's easy. And after it's easy, then I'll, I'll join in. Pastor Ben ran a, a marathon yesterday. And, uh, and what most of us want to do is not suffer the 26 miles. What most of us would like to do, like there's the starting, the finish line, right? What most of us would like to do is stand on the sidelines eating bonbons, bonbons, bonbons and, then, and then, you know, everybody's coming across the line. We're going to go, woohoo! I did it! You're remarkably not sweating or anything. I know, man, it was an awesome race. Whoa, we, we did this. Guys, your identity is the root of everything. And you're going to struggle with it, but this is going to be a turning point for you. When you hear the prayer of Paul, when he knows his believers are struggling, his, his sheep, and he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and, and long and high is the deep and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When you're filled with that kind of love, crazy can't come in. No fear can come against. Because you know who you are and whose you are and that it's going to be okay. Fourth, in the panic of scary, hear Jesus only. In the panic of scary, you've got to hear Jesus only. In verse 27, Jesus said to them, take courage, be confident. In your relationship with me, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not live your life a victim of fear. The more clearly we hear Jesus' voice of faith, the less we hear all the voices of fear and failure. And, 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 and in verse 28, I, there's this, I just want to, this is deep theology. Don't have time to go into it, but you explore it. Listening always trumps seeing in Scripture. Hearing is always bigger um, than, than sight in, in, in the realm of the kingdom of God. We always want to live by, by sight, but the scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight. In, in verse 28, um, Peter could not see with his eyes that this was Jesus. He was just listening to a voice. But captivated by the grace and the power of that voice, Jesus has inspired him. And, 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 and Peter looks around and he, and he looks at all of his cowering friends and he, and he basically says, wait a minute, there's a voice calling me out on the waves. And I'm getting out of this boat and I'm going to trust that voice and I'm going to follow the sound of that voice into the unknown, into the scary, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that, that I cannot do. Watch this. And he gets up out of the, boy, the boat listening to the sound of Jesus and he walks on water. What a champion for Christ. What an amazing step of faith that, that he took into what wasn't solid only to find that when Jesus is in it, it is. Guys, you and I have to listen to what we can't see. 
You may not understand it. You may not be able to rationally uh, figure it out and, and reason how uh, X, Y, or Z is going to possibly be okay. But, but you, don't, you don't listen um, you know, uh, to, to all those voices. You listen to the voice of Jesus. You listen to what you can't see and make sense of with your own head. When Peter heard Jesus, he walked water. When Peter saw a storm, he sank. We need a massive revival of confidence in Christ. Many of us have settled for small lives on the sidelines. Uh, we're, we're down there where the disciples were. Um, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught Peter and said, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? You're doing so well. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Everything's instantly peaceful. Scary is over for the moment. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Okay. Where was that confidence in the middle of the storm? That's when it would have changed everything. The game has to be won in the teeth of the storm. Guys, lastly, I, I just want to say that the way we become champions for Christ is to attempt something impossible for the glory of God. We... We in, in, in modern Christianity have raised up, um, we've raised up a whole generation, several generations of passive sideline sitting watchers. Amen. Of people who say, hey, we're going we're gonna to get some paid holy people and, and call them clergy, you know, rev. And they're going to be the real Christians, not, not me. They're going to do the real stuff. I can't lead anybody to Jesus. I, I just have the, the living Son of God inside of me, and it's not enough. And what if my friends don't like me? It's okay that they go to hell and burn forever, but I don't want them to think bad about me. Are you kidding? Attempt something impossible for the glory of God. That's your assignment. In your lifetime, not just one something, there ought to be a lot of somethings that you attempt for the glory of God that's absolutely impossible. And you say, I can't, and God says, awesome, I can. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. I am the I am. Is anything too hard for me? And the answer is, absolutely not. So get out of the boat. If you and I do nothing for the glory of God with our lives, how was God ever in our lives? If our church never attempts anything impossible for God, how was God in our church? We are going to, to lead 300 people a year, new believers, uh, into to baptism and, and the fellowship of Christ in a single year. That would mean basically one-fourth of, of our attenders being bold enough once a year to share Jesus and lead somebody to him. Is that a high standard? I think not. I think it's pathetically small, but we're going to start with 300. As we talk about becoming a worshiping community of 5,000, it's not for ego. It's because there's 100,000 who don't know the love of the Father. And we're not going to stand on the sidelines and watch them go to hell uh, in the storms of, of, of unbelief. Get out of the boat. Nothing glorifies God more than leading people towards faith in Jesus. Champions for Christ do things with their lives that get Jesus noticed. Are you doing anything with your life that gets Jesus noticed? Today is a turning point. You can live your life as a sideline sitting, fear-filled, embarrassed by Jesus uh, church person. Or you can get out of the, get out of the boat and, and get into the teeth of the storm. 
You can listen to the voice of Jesus in your life and you can attempt something impossible. I pray over and over again for the glory of God. You are called to be a champion for Christ. Don't settle for a life filled with fear and all hell's lies. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.